Hello, and welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different cities, are at three different life stages, and have three different perspectives. They are excited to learn and grow alongside of you. This is a space full of love and acceptance, no judgment, because let's face it, we all sleep in our makeup. Please welcome Lauren, Megan, and Kristen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week. Today, we have an amazing guest, Dr. Sandy Gluckman, joining us. She is a learning behavior and mood specialist, author, educator, and international speaker. She describes her quest as saving the next generation from a growing explosion of learning behavior and mood problems. Her work is rooted in the science that shows that children will thrive when parents thrive. Dr. Sandy empowers parents to raise healthy, resilient, confident children primed for success by showing them how to first heal themselves. She is the founder of a private practice, Parenting That Heals, where she consults with couples, families, and children. Dr. Sandy's work is based on her unique blend of her studies in functional medicine, interpersonal neurobiology, and psychology, woven together with her own insights and experience. We were so blessed and honored by this conversation. Lauren and I both afterwards were like, wow, I feel like we just scratched the surface with Dr. Sandy, but also learned so much. So we're super excited for you guys to hear from her as well. And we hope you enjoy. Hi, Lauren. Hey, sister. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I just felt weird because I usually say hi, Lulu. And I'm like, I could just called you Lauren. It's like I'm mad at you or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't normally call you your real name. My strict name. <laughs> yeah, it just like came out. Anyways, well, welcome to another week. As we have said every week this month, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we are super excited to bring you a special guest today, Dr. Sandy Gluckman. So welcome, Dr. Sandy. Thank you so much, ladies. (laughs) We're so excited to have you and learn so much wisdom. Both Megan and I are mamas and we're just learning every day and our kids are great teachers. So we can't wait to just get your expertise. I always say our children come to teach us and there's no coincidence in who our children are because they know what they've come to teach us and what we need to learn personally. Oh my gosh. My mom always said that. Like our mom always said that. That's so crazy. I love it. Just a background when I met Dr. Sandy, because she's local in Frisco, Texas, and we're doing a feature on her for the blog that I run, Frisco Area Moms. And it was weird. Like the second she started talking, I was like, I feel like mom like put us together and I can't wait to learn from you. So I'd love to just get started and kind of learn your background, you know, where you're from and how you got to where you are today. If you wanted to take us on a journey. (laughs) (laughs) It is quite some journey. So I'll I'll keep it as short as possible because I want to do as much teaching as I can. So as you can hear from this accent, I wasn't born in Texas. (laughs) I was born in South Africa in Johannesburg, and I spent the largest part of my life there. And then um, I've been in the U.S. in Dallas for 22 years, and I love, I love it here. Um, My journey has been a, wow, I don't know where to start. Well, first of all, I was born during the apartheid era. And I am a very sensitive soul. Yes. I guess we'd call me an empath. And I found it very, very painful as a child. I remember very clearly looking at what was going on and how millions of people's spirits were being destroyed. Mm. 
And um, I found that really difficult to, to live with as is, I didn't know what to do about it with, as a child. But the issue of having a healthy spirit started for me there. And my work has always been focused on all my research showing that when we have a healthy spirit, and you know by that I mean that we all have our own energetic vibration that defines who we are, and that is our spirit. And it's different for everybody. And when we have a healthy, strong, vibrant spirit, uh-huh. we are going to automatically have a healthy body and a healthy brain. And so I began to see the connection there that when people were had all kinds of mental health conditions, they, really for me it became evident that they were they had a hurting spirit. Yeah. And I think we were all we were going around about it all wrong all those years back. I mean, t- trying to treat the problem, so-called diagnosis, you know, uh-huh. whether it was schizophrenia or it was anorexia or whatever, whatever it may be, because you can't really treat that issue. For me, that issue is a symptom of something much deeper, and the much deeper is that that spirit is hurting. And so when I started to work with healing the spirit, Mm-hmm. Um, those symptoms actually reversed and went away. Wow. And, um, yeah, well, as I say, there's so much to tell. But, uh, yes, the, the central foundation of my work is when we have a hurting spirit, we will have a hurting body some way or other because everybody's body is more vulnerable in some places. And we will have a hurting brain in some way or other. So all of these learning behavior and mood challenges that we see in millions of children today for me all go back to why is this child's spirit hurting Mm -hmm. that's so powerful and I'm like you're speaking our language I love it yeah (laughs) yeah the mind body soul and how it's just we're all connected and so in your work what what's kind of the most I guess it's just personally in my life right now I have a couple really close friends that are struggling with ADD or ADHD diagnosis and some are at the very beginning stages of that and some you know have teenagers and they've gone like the non-medical route and so I think that I'm totally naive here but what other than ADD and ADHD if there's something that's more common I guess I'm just trying to bring as much value to as many listeners that we can how do you approach a situation like that? Yes, well, you know, the um, ADHD mm-hmm. is actually the most prominent diagnosis in the world for children. Oh. Wow. And um, I don't believe, and I know I'm going to say something really controversial and cause some people to sit up, but I don't believe, firstly, that the diagnostic label is useful. And secondly, I don't believe that it is actually correct because once again the ADHD and the symptoms of ADHD that we see Mm -hmm. are actually stress related or stress driven symptoms so for me I'm always about the underlying root causes so you know if we're going to call it ADHD fine we all know what the symptoms look like so there's a list of stuff and we've packaged it with a label that says this is ADHD but nobody's really asking, so what's underneath that? What's behind that? What triggered these kinds of behaviors that we then label as ADHD? And 
my research and all my work has shown that the trigger is really toxically high levels of stress mm. that are flooding the child's brain and causing an inflamed brain. And a inflamed brain will not be able to perform in the way it's meant to perform and will begin to show all the kinds of symptoms that we call ADHD. So why don't we treat the stress and the inflamed brain instead of trying to fix the so-called label of ADHD? Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Okay. And how how do you go about that? Or, or I'm sure it's different for every individual, but... Do you personally, is your approach like nutrition or like what are some tools that you use? (laughs) Yes. Well, my approach is uh, very integrative. So certainly nutrition and exercise, you know, all the physical issues, Mm -hmm. the physical stuff that will help the child's body and brain Mm -hmm. to function better is definitely at play here. And then on the other side, there is the emotional side. So Mm. we need to look at okay, we can eat all the, all the healthiest food ever. We can really be good with our exercise and maybe even hopefully teach the children to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet still we are stuck with the symptoms that look like ADHD often. Right. And so the other side of the story of the coin is that we need to address what's going on in the spirit of the child. Because if a child has a hurting spirit, then it's going to upset the brain, as I said, and and cause all the kind of symptoms that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's about, for me, going to the underlying root cause, which is what's stressing this child to mm-hmm. such an extent mm-hmm. that the child's brain is filled with cortisol and the cortisol is causing the brain to become inflamed. If we can find the answer to that deep underlying root cause question, Mm -hmm. we can truly remove the child's label of ADHD because the symptoms will reverse. Thinking like putting myself in in the shoes of of a parent, you know, because we both are parents. And I would imagine that as a mama that like I love hearing that. I really resonate with that approach and getting to the root cause. But mom guilt is a real big thing. And so, and so I'm just picturing myself in your office and just the guilt that even though it's not necessary, you know, it's, it's, it's not the parent's fault or doing anything wrong. But what is your advice to, to parents? What, what do you offer to parents just kind of for their emotional self too, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to take a step back before I come around to answering that if I may yes and you're making a good point about mom guilt so whatever I'm going to say now whoever's listening please know (laughs) that it is not a judgment on you there's no guilt shame or blame please absolutely not at all and that having been said however what's going on in the mother-child relationship even in the fetus and all the way going forward Mm-hmm. is hugely important in terms of shaping and wiring the child's brain and the way in which the child's brain works. Hmm. Because when a mom is stressed and anxious about something, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe not anxious, just very, very stressed, she will show up with a kind of an energy that is felt by the child. And that energy changes the child's chemistry to match the mother's chemistry. So stressed mothers create 
stressed children. Mm. And in, uh, it is like uh, a huge responsibility to realize that if I'm stressed, I'm actually changing my child's brain. Right. In so, in, it's like, yeah. gosh, pressure is on. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and, and, the, and the changes that are my stress create in the child's brain can become a trigger for ADHD, for anxiety, for depression, for defiance and all the things that the children are going through. Mm -hmm. So I can only tell you for after years of working around the globe with uh, parents and children that when parents learn how they're showing up, I mean, we we are energetically vibrating beings. Mm -hmm. So when we come into the space of our children, they are picking up all our thoughts and our feelings and our beliefs and what we've you know what's going on inside of it that's worrying us at that moment in time and they become the mirrors of what's going on inside of us so if as mums we can realize that we have the most incredible opportunity here Mm-hmm. If it, in, both in terms of prevention as well as in terms of healing and treating because if we can learn how to find that calm, serene, joyful place in the center of our being that stressless or at least yes, a stressless place in the center of our being and if we can continually show up from there we are going to change the trajectory of our child's lives because we this will translate for them as a happy spirit, a happy body, and a happy brain. And there will be no triggers for all the kinds of challenges that children are going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And Dr. Sandy, <laughs> so is it me with a nine-year-old? I'm just like... So it's not too late, right? I haven't screwed. I haven't screwed up my kid for life, right? No, it's never too late. I've got I've got parents who come see me whose children are thirty six years old. Or, oh, good. Okay. Yeah, it's never too late because that parent child relationship is so critical, especially the mom child mm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Is if a mom changes at whatever age the child is and whatever age the mom is the child will reflect those changes in his body and and brain. So never, never, ever, ever too late. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging. Lauren, you remember mom used to say like, she was like, I feel like as soon as I learn something, all of a sudden my kids are learning it. And we just thought it was like this weird phenomenon. And I'm like, okay, there's actually like kind of science to it. What my mom was always saying. So yeah, it's really interesting. (laughs) I know for her, it was more of like a spiritual thing. She would always preach, you know, she was like, well, gosh, you know, I, I guess I got to get through this for myself so that my kids can receive it as well. You know? <laughs> wow. She must have been an amazing, amazing human being. Oh my gosh. She really was. And not just to us, but to so many, but Dr. Sandy, I kind of wanted to just offer a quick little story to you and our listeners. I know I've mentioned it before on our, we had a preemie episode, but it just, when you were talking, it just reminded me of this. And I think that in a way, this experience that I went through was a gift because it kind of gave me this mindset that you're talking about. And of course I'm human and I F up, you know, but, um, (laughs) but when my water broke, when I was 24 weeks pregnant with, with our son, who's now nine and completely healthy, but I was put on hospital bed rest. And those first 24 hours were 
quite chaotic in the hospital. The neonatologist came in to basically tell us that, you know, we needed to name our son because for his death certificate and he had, you know, a 10% chance at survival and all of this stuff. And it was really disheartening. And so my, I looked over and I hadn't really ever seen my husband cry very much. And he was, tears were just coming down his cheeks, which then kind of set me off. And I was trying to be so strong, but I just lost it. And I started bawling and I looked at the doctor who turned out to be a lovely doctor, but I looked at him and I was like, you don't know me. Like this baby is surviving. (laughs) And, but anyway, in that moment, when I started crying, I was hooked up to all the machines. And as I started crying and getting super stressed and tense, my body, Kai, our son, his heart rate was going through the roof. And so in that moment, I got to see because I was hooked up to the machines, how much my emotions impacted Kai. And that was so motivating for me as a mom throughout that whole process, but also carried on, you know, for life. So that's a very special story. And thank you for sharing that because it really validates and confirms everything that I say. Mm -hmm. We are constantly affecting our children's heart rate, variability, about the things that we do and say, a look on our face, the tone of our voice is very important. We're impacting the chemistry in their brain. We're impacting their nervous system. Can I ask you a question about Kai? Of course. Would you call, Would you say that he's a, a sensitive-natured boy? He is sensitive, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. those children who in the fetus experience the stress of the mother, mm-hmm. they are born with a much more sensitive nature. Hmm, interesting. And then those children, of course, are much more vulnerable to stress. Mm, Yes, he definitely, he likes everything kind of like me, like I crave just harmony and peace and calm. And he strives best under those circumstances. So Hmm. he does not, we've always kept our lives very, I guess, simple. And, you know, our home life is just calm. (laughs) Yeah, she runs a very calm home. (laughs) Yes, that's great. So you know that that your mom, bless her, she um, obviously didn't study neuroscience, but she just knew this spiritually. But Mm -hmm. the science that we're talking about, which is developed by Dr. Daniel Siegel, is called interpersonal neurobiology. Okay. Which means that what's going on between the, well, in this case, we're talking mom and child, that's the interpersonal part, is changing the child's neurobiology. Yeah. That's amazing. So when she says, you know, when I learn something, my kids learn something, she's absolutely right. And it's all about what we call mirror neuron. Wow. That's so cool that... Yeah, I feel like she just had, and when you talked about Dr. Sandy, you as a child, like that's how my mom actually described herself too. Mm. It's just being a super sensitive soul and feeling everything where she almost felt like she was too sensitive for this world a lot Mm. of times. And I felt that way a little bit about myself. I don't think I'm quite as like Mm -hmm. spiritual as she was, but there is that like sensitivity within me that I think I got from her for sure. Oh, that's beautiful. And I see it in my kids too, especially Joe, my five-year-old. Yes. yes. <laughs> so crazy. Yes. And, you know, we have to know that we need to parent sensitive children differently. How? Okay. Like, yeah, how? How do we do that? <laughs> Give us well, some tools. Well, first of all, we need to be able to be conscious and aware that this child has come into this world 
with a sensitive nature, which means that this child is more vulnerable to experiencing things in a stressful kind of way. So awareness is the very, very first important step. And very often, well, not very often, but in some occasions, parents don't even realize that some of the problems that they're experiencing with a child is really because the child is so sensitive and the parent is not picking that up and um, therefore causing more stress in the child. Uh So the awareness is important. So you guys have got the awareness. I can hear that. Uh Then the second thing is to be able to validate and honor who that child is on every single level because these children will tend to sometimes begin to doubt their own self-worth. The slightest little thing can be heard by them as, uh, I'm not enough, who I am is not good enough, and they could come to that conclusion. So we have to work hard, but authentically so, Mm -hmm. on helping them to identify the incredible strengths and characteristics that they carry inside of them. Definitely. And you work directly with parents. Um, You don't really meet with the children, right? No, that's yes, that's so true. Because I came to the conclusion after many years Mm -hmm. of working and practice with seeing children, and I'm good with children of all ages. And then they walk out of my consulting room, get in the car, and then (laughs) with all the best love and intentions in the world, mom undoes what I just did. Because mom is stressed. And so, you know, she's like, have you done your homework yet? Um, yeah. How did it go? What's going on with your grades? And you know, by the time they get home or at the end to the end of that afternoon, the child's back where he was before he got into my room. So that doesn't work. So I asked myself, you know, that's, that's when I began to study neuroscience and realize that what's going on inside of the parent of the mom is going on inside of the child. Mm-hmm. And so I said to myself, well, then that's, that doesn't make sense, makes zero sense to me to be seeing the child. Um, I'm better see the parents. And that's when I started to work with parents. And the most phenomenal thing is, you know, Lauren and Megan, is that when, uh, because my, my work with parents is about healing the parents. Uh-huh. And we all come to the parent relationship with our own wounds yeah, and often unhealed wounds unfinished business and so as soon as the parent begins to heal and find that beautiful place of self-acceptance and self-care and self-love and also calm within their being it's unbelievable to see that within five sessions or you know because it's a 10 session program but within session four or five we begin to see the children's uh, symptoms unravel and reverse in front of our eyes and I haven't seen the chart wow that's unbelievable <laughs> that is amazing and because so, I was about to say so far we were just talking about the moms and what a great re- responsibility we have on our shoulders and I was like hey what about the dads or the partners you know <laughs> where yes. where is their play in this but it sounds like both of both parents come to you and heal yes. and then So I love that. And Megan and I were talking, I don't even remember the context of the conversation, but we were talking about just kind of the difference in generation and how, you know, I feel like with right now with our kids, you know, there's a lot of buzz just about validating your child's feelings, you know, let them cry. Crying's not wrong. You know, like basically let them be who they are and validate 
their feelings and who they are, which I love. But then we were laughing and and I was kind of joking, but not really joking. I was like, yeah, it's just interesting because, you know, our parents, the way they were raised, it was kind of like more, and obviously this is generalized, but, you know, don't cry, you know, don't feel that way. You're not, huh. you know, it's fine. Get over it. Da, 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 da. And then the generation older than that, you know, our grandparents, it was kind of like, nobody talks about their feelings. We're all just trying to survive. We went uh, through the great uh. depression, like suck it up, get out there and work and just survive, you know? Yes. So I feel like, do you, do you find that generational stuff? Like, and then, and then though you take my husband who is my age, but he was raised in an environment much different than me where like the kids, you did not speak unless you were spoken to. And, you know, you, respected authority and you, you were very well mannered in front of anybody and everybody, you know, so there's that too, where there's differences within the, the couple. Um, but I don't know, do you find that generational things play a lot in it as well? I love your question. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I um, didn't really start off realizing this, but over the past years, I have um, realized that I am doing generational work. Mm -hmm. um, because then I started saying that my quest was to save the next generation. <laughs> yeah. Because when we look back at, uh, when I look back at my clients, parents, my clients will say to me, but my mom was always like me, very, very anxious. Mm -hmm. And my auntie was the same way. And then my mom's dad, my grandfather was so anxious. And, you know, we didn't go much further back than that. But we can guess that there's behavior of anxiety that is actually inherited. It's not a gene. Hmm. Well, it, well, it's a long story about that. But it's a behavior that's inherited. And that's why when people look back, they can say, well, yeah, my mom was like that. And so I'm like that. So I'm saying if you're coming to visit with me, I'm going to be working with your generational patterns and your generational program because um, otherwise you are passing this on to the fourth generation yeah. in, front of, in front of us. And then your wonderful kiddo will grow up like you, will handle life in some way or other, all kinds of coping mechanisms, but will always be struggling with that horrible feeling of anxiety inside. So why do we want that for our children when we can actually now mm -hmm. say it's enough? I'm not passing this on to my child. Yeah. Great, so great. good. Yeah. And it kind of brings up, I know, you know, mental health in children just has gotten, I don't know, it almost seems worse with anxiety and all the horrible, you know, things that are happening even, you know, with young children. And so I know that's something that's really important to you, you know, changing the next generation. Are you seeing you know, lots of changes in kids working with the parents through, you know, that issue that we're seeing as well. It's unbelievable what the pandemic has done to millions of children's mental health. Mm -hmm. We also obviously have to understand that uh, before the pandemic, many of these children were already emotionally vulnerable mm -hmm. or maybe even just sensitive natured children and then their response would be much more intense to what the pandemic you know, brought into their lives. The children who um, were before pandemic kind of emotionally robust and emotionally resilient, mm 
for all kinds of reasons we can talk about now or another time. These children handled the pandemic much better. Mm-hmm. So um, the more vulnerable children have really been so badly battered by the pandemic and the uh, amount of anxiety that we are seeing in children of all ages is just unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. that having been said, you know, to come back to my the foundation of my work, then I have to say, if I'm looking at this, uh, when I'm, my, let's say I've got a new client who's who's telling me about the child's anxiety, and that's why they're visiting with me, and then I look back and I see that the parent has handled the pandemic with immense anxiety and fear mm-hmm. and huge stress. Yeah. So how would we expect the child not to do exactly the same? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do a lot of work on what I call the higher self and the lower self. And just very briefly, the lower self is that part of us which lives on stress hormones, which is constantly seeing the negative or seeing what's not working as opposed to what is working, that is walking around with worst case scenarios in her head. Uh, there's a long list but you know those are some of the things that we do when we're in our lower self that obviously um, affects our conversations with our children affects that energetic vibration that we're showing up with so my work is really designed to help parents help moms and dads understand say become aware of their lower self Uh and the kind of ways in which their particular lower self shows up and then I teach them how to be able to move into the higher self. We're actually talking about different brain waves because the, the lower self is a, is a beta brain, uh, well, it's a um, very dense form of beta brain wave. Mm-hmm. And the higher self is the alpha brain wave. So being able to, first of all, realize, whoops, here comes my lower self again. I'm starting to yell. I'm starting to get frustrated. Um, this is not going to really lower my child's stress level. After the awareness, you need to be able to know how how do I get out this lower self and go into my higher self where it's just calm and serene and I'm seeing things with all possibilities and I'm being creative. And so, you know, I teach some tools for that. The most, of course, effective tool of all is meditation because it's the transport. It transports us out of the lower self into the higher self. So... It like, do you recommend in that moment, you know, when you've asked your child for the 28th time to go brush their teeth or <laughs> to get dressed or to go to bed or whatever? Mm-hmm. So do you recommend like in that exact moment, just remove yourself from the situation and do some type of meditation tool? You know, it's not always possible. If it's possible, absolutely. Yes. Even mm-hmm. just five minutes or 10 minutes, but sometimes it's not possible. You're in the middle of something and you can't walk out. In fact, walking out could be very detrimental to the child. So mm-hmm. what I do is I, I give them the tools. Once they recognize, and, and parents are amazing, they'll come back to my next session and they'll go, I stood there and I just watched myself get sucked into the lower self and I was doing all the things that you said are going to increase my child's stress. <laughs> So they become, they come really aware of it. By the way, (laughs) when when we're in the lower self, we practice what I call inflammatory parenting Uh because we're yelling. So if you're, amongst other things, of course, 
you know, inflammatory parenting is yelling, it is power struggles, it is consequences. Oh, I hate consequences. Um, you hate you hate consequences? Yes, I really don't like the use of consequences. Oh, really? So what do you do instead? It's a very low self tool. Wow, ladies, have you got three hours? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I need to schedule an appointment. Yeah. <laughs> So um, where was I going? I said I was going, yes, I realize I'm in my lowest self. Uh And then I teach them how to change the conversation in such a way that they are validating, well, that they are recognizing that there is an emotion behind what the child is doing or there is something going on underneath. Yeah. So if you are find that after the 28th time the child is still not going into the shower, mm-hmm. don't deal with the issue of the shower because where we put our energy is what we will get more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got to back off because you're putting fuel on the fire and you have to ask yourself, what is the resistance? Yeah. to you know why is my child need to resist me in this kind of way and probably you find there's resistance in other things as well and it's not just a shower thing if it's just a shower thing we need to find out you know what's going on there mm-hmm. and as soon as you begin to have a conversation about what's behind or underneath this thing that you're watching in front of you that is so frustrating and we start the conversation about it seems to me like you are, I don't know if you, I'm right, but I, I think that you're feeling really frustrated. Am I right about this? Now it's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what, you, what you've done is you've connected with a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that that's what I have to do with Joe, my five-year-old, and Bobby and I, my husband, we've learned that. Like we used to just get so mad at her about not going to bed, but it like, we never got anywhere. She never started going to bed when we were mad about it. So (laughs) we soon had to just realize we had to really just talk to her and figure out like why she didn't want to go to bed and like come up with a really structured routine for her. And I think going to kindergarten helped because she's just tired now. But (laughs) (laughs) what you're saying kind of validates, you know, the work that Bobby and I kind of put in ourselves. But I think we could even take it to like another level of really understanding because we still, you know, I still get mad at times. So. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause in the moment, you know, we're tired, we're exhausted. Yeah. Yes. Like I want to go to bed myself. And, and so it takes a lot of work. I mean, to sit yeah. there and, you know, try to not only help them understand their own feelings, but, you know, just start that conversation when it's like, all I want to do is go get in bed. So yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, we, um, when we are stressed as, mm-hmm. as moms uh, or adults, uh, we, the, you know, the inflamed brain that I spoke about earlier mm-hmm. will cause us to display three kinds of behaviors, which is famously known as fight, flight, or freeze. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So when you're yelling, you're in stress fight mode. Uh-huh. Uh, when you're withdrawing, you're in stress flight mode. And when mm-hmm. you're in freeze, well, you just are totally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So when a mom is in is in stress mode and in fight mode and is yelling and and threatening consequences, mm-hmm. um, that is a stress related response, which is very inflammatory for the child. And so what you're going to get is, guess what? You're going to get fight, flight, or freeze back from them. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we're always a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I'm I'm hooked on this consequence thing. So even <laughs> even even if it's delivered in a calm manner where they know where you communicate the expectation and if that's not met then there's a consequence. So you you don't recommend that? <laughs> I don't not okay. if it is um, understood by the child as uh, if I behave in this way mm-hmm. then I will be loved and if I behave in this way I'm going to get a consequence mm. so I don't even like the talk about consequences but I like to teach parents how to um, set healthy boundaries in a healthy way got it so you know then you won't need a consequence right yeah I like and, that. And, you know, they're, they're, yes, there's a whole thing I teach them about setting healthy boundaries. Okay. And, of course, healthy boundaries are always set by the higher self. Mm-hmm. So when we are setting a, a healthy boundary from the higher self, we are not triggering our children into our fight, flight, or freeze moment. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I really want to take your healthy boundary class. I know. <laughs> like, this is so good, Dr. Sandy. And, you know, I know people probably get so tired of us talking about our mom since she passed, but it, I just can't help but to reflect on, I don't know. I just feel like mom in like her, she instinctively was put here to be a mom because it's like, she just yeah. did, she did all of these things and it just came so natural for her. Mm, and so lucky, so lucky. I know. And I do feel, I, we do feel really lucky. Um, yeah. So lucky. Yeah. But, but it's lucky that you're paying it all forward. It's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. We're, we're trying, yeah. but we don't feel like we could ever live up to who she was, but yeah. Well, this is all such good stuff. What have we not touched on that you want to share with our listeners, Dr. Sandy? I guess if I was to leave, the listeners with anything it would be that one of the most important you you remember I spoke a little while back about emotional resilience Mm -hmm. children in this world and the world is that's coming up in front of us our children of all ages really need emotional resilience they need that to become emotionally robust to be able to cope with the world in a very positive kind of way. Uh, and, and when a child doesn't have the emotional resilience, life can be really, really hard and challenging for them. Mm-hmm. So where the emotional resilience comes from, again, underlying root cause, is uh, from a sense of who I am is just so enough. And millions of children today are feeling that who I am is not enough. Mm, yeah it's heartbreaking so and again you know it's about wiring the brain because these children's brains have been wired unintentionally absolutely unconsciously Mm -hmm. uh, with all the best love in the world but when parents are trying so hard to get their children to be the perfect person or with the greatest grades or to be popular or to be athletic or you know all the things um, they're telling the child that well, the way you are is just not good enough, and but we need you to 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 do better here and do more of that there and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and children will interpret it as um, just not good enough, mm-hmm. and that is the beginning of enormous inner stress and a very sad journey. Mm-hmm. 
So again, there's a way to wire a child to believe that I'm so enough. And it's not about telling them every minute of the day how wonderful they are (laughs) because they actually will not believe you and it will destroy the relationship. Uh There's a particular incredible um, neuroscientific tools that I use to help parents understand how do I start a new neural pathway or how do I start a neural pathway in my brain which is heard by the child as I am so enough without me constantly looking for a moment to compliment it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That- That's huge. Cause I don't think I know how to do it beyond complimenting. So that would be really helpful. And where do people, I know you have some online, you know, videos and different, I know you've written a few books. Um, So how do people find you and can they watch your workshops online or do they have to come in person? Yeah, so there's the the two options. There's the in-person option Uh and um, then there is, for those, you know, because I have clients around the world, so Uh there is an online, what I call the uh, video parent coaching program and that's uh, through video since it can't be in person. You know, around the world, it's a time problem that they they're fast asleep when I'm still working, some of them. So yeah. they will they will buy the, the, the video parent coaching. Or sometimes people are working and then they can't come to live sessions. So there are those two options. Okay. Um, I, I'm very, very, what what's the word, obsessed almost with getting parents informed and um, educated about what's going on with children's mental health today. Because it's yeah. very, very different what we're dealing with, but also the way in which we need to deal with it, I believe, of course, is that um, is very different to what we've been told before in terms of the, the traditional old-fashioned parenting. So I have created a special place on my website, which I call Free Classroom. And if you go there, there's free coaching videos, there's amazing podcasts. This one will go there too. And there are really informative blogs my facebook dr sandy glackman my youtube channel got hundreds of youtube videos so you can find a video on the topic that you are dealing with with your child and my videos i keep them short i give you a piece of information and the how to fix awesome wow that is perfect <laughs> and what was your website www.drdrsandyglackman.com awesome and we'll put it in the show notes as well and then I have a book that everybody seems to really love because it's kind of, you keep it by your uh, by your bedside. It's called Parents Take Charge and it is available on my homepage right at the bottom. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I definitely well, need that. Also, what's interesting is that if you really like what you're hearing today and you want to have a chat with me, you can schedule a complimentary session. You'll see on my homepage is a button for a complimentary session. It's a 30-minute. We have a good chat. I understand what you're dealing with. I tell you how I would deal with it, and we see where that takes us. Wow, so cool. Well, everybody, reach out to Dr. Sandy. We just so appreciate you sharing your wisdom, and you obviously have so much to offer, and I love your spirit. I can feel I can feel your calmness through <laughs> through the <laughs> through the computer and I'm so grateful that uh Megan and you connected and so we could share you with not just ourselves but our listeners so thank you. 
And thank you so much, both of you, for sharing me with your listeners because I, one of my hugest goals is to reach as many people around, as many parents around the globe as I can because then I can know that I've made a change in so many children's lives and I am saving the next. I love that. I love it. Well, I guess if you don't mind, I will close us in prayer. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you with such grateful hearts. I thank you so much for Dr. Sandy and you bringing her into our lives and our listeners' lives. And I thank you for her passion for what she does. And um, we just pray over her for her success and for her knowledge and wisdom and expertise to reach as many um that you will for it too. And Lord, you know that parenting is so hard and we have a lot on our shoulders um, as parents. And thank you so much for gifting us with the best gift in life of our children. And um, I just pray that for us and any other parent listening today, that we start with ourselves and, um, and that you just remind us that we are enough. For ourselves, we, you've gifted us with our children, and it's no coincidence that they are exactly who you meant for them to be, and and same with us. And just really let us receive that gift from you of wholeness and completion, the way that you made us, and so that we can pass on that gift to our children. And just help us, Lord. We, we, um, we can't do this alone. So. Please stay with us every day and just remind us that you are there right by our side, holding our hand and to just be really thoughtful and mindful and raising our wonderful children to be who they are and not who we want them to be, but who they are in in the image that you made them. Thank you for everything. And we love you so much. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 So beautiful. Thank you. Well, thanks again, Dr. Sandy. We hope you have a great rest of your week. And listeners, thank you you for tuning in another week. Just remember that you are enough just as you are. And we will see you next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to another week of Girl I Slept in My Makeup. If you like us, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us, go to our website, girlisleptinmymakeup.com where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it and make it a great week. God bless.